Welcome to the Elevate Orthodontics Podcast with Dr. Lance Miller. Each week, we bring you interviews with the top minds in the orthodontic profession in order to heighten your expertise, boost your motivation, and raise your skills. Join us as we help doctors take their practices and their lives to the next level. And now, here's your host, Dr. Lance Miller. Welcome to the Elevate Orthodontics Podcast. I'm Dr. Lance Miller. I'm back from my vacation last week, and as you guys all know, that first week back from vacation is always a busy one. It was kind of hectic in the office, but we finished April strong, and we've had a great start to the year, actually. Uh, This weekend, I had my in-laws in town and my mother in town and everyone staying at our house, so it was a busy weekend. So not a lot for me this week. We're going to jump right into the interview. Uh, this is a fantastic interview, guys. Uh, Dr. Dustin Burleson uh, is on the show, and we had a wonderful conversation. We talked a lot about marketing. We talked about management. We talked about online reviews. I think you're going to really love it. We're going to dive straight in. Let's do it. Dr. Dustin Burleson completed his undergraduate studies, dental school training, and orthodontic residency at the University of Missouri-Kansas City. He is an assistant clinical professor in the Department of Orthodontics and Dentofacial Orthopedics at UMKC and is the owner of Burleson Orthodontics with four locations in the greater Kansas City area. Dr. Burleson is a speaker, teacher, and consultant. He has published two books for the orthodontic consumer entitled Stop Hiding Your Smile and The Consumer's Guide to Invisalign. Dr. Burleson runs Dustin Burleson Seminars, a coaching and consulting outfit dedicated to helping healthcare professionals build their dream practices. He writes and edits four monthly newsletters and is the director of the Ream Foundation for Cleft and Craniofacial Orthodontics. Welcome to the Elevate Orthodontics podcast, Dr. Burleson. Lance, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Great. We're glad you're here. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and about your family. You know, I grew up in a family of uh, 12 dentists, so from the, t- from the time I was old enough to uh, read the alphabet, my dad had me, you know, filing charts. But if you remember those days back before computers, and uh, so my dad's a general dentist. Both of my brothers are endodontists. All of my uncles and uh, cousins and uh, everyone's a dentist. So I kind of, kind of had it in my blood. Interestingly, like my dad never pushed me. He never said like, "Do you want to go to dental school?" But you know, I saw the interaction he had with his patients. I, I worked in his office all through high school and when I was back at home on college holiday breaks. And I just, I loved like uh, the chance to be a healthcare provider without having 2 a.m. call going to the ER as a physician. So sure. um, I, I, I think it's one of the most amazing professions in the world. Obviously I'm biased, but um, yeah. So I've been, I've been, uh, I've been brainwashed from a young age as a, as a dentite. <laughs> great. Great. And, and you're married and you have some kids. I actually have an ex-wife who's a pediatric dentist. I got three little okay. boys that, um, yeah, we're still great friends, and she's still engaged in, in helping us with the with the practice on the pedo side. We merged uh, pedo into ortho, which is because uh, <laughs> I, I guess I wasn't getting uh, you know enough. Uh, I was getting too much sleep, so I just <laughs> I decided why not throw pedo in there. But uh, yeah, I have three little boys. Uh, my boys are how old are they? Under ten, so I got a seven-year-old, oh, yeah. an eight-year-old, and a ten-year-old. So we are um, a busy, busy crew. Sure, sure. I think we were just talking in the pre-interview. I just came from the school, and the kids were doing circus yoga as a performance, <laughs> which was which was interesting. They loved it. It was great. But it's busy time with these young kids. Yeah, I uh, I just had a friend back in Ohio who just had his first first kid, baby girl, and I said, you know, it sounds cliche, but life really does go from black and white to color when you have kids. It's just like I've started. Like I don't know if I don't know if you do this, but I write down. I just keep it in my computer on a little note tab. 
everything that my kids say. And it's so funny to go back and read. <laughs> it, it is. My Luckily, my wife does that. She kind of keeps an archive of all of these things. And she has it in a Microsoft Word file. It's over 100 pages long now. And we go back and we read these things. And it's, the amazing thing is you, there are things in there that I had no actual memory myself of. And then I read them and I'm like, this happened. This is amazing. It's yeah, yeah it, it's pretty fun. So yeah. <laughs> good. Well, let's dive right in here. Uh, I want to start talking a little bit uh, about marketing and orthodontic practice. And I think there's a lot of people out there wondering what the best strategies are, what works, where should I spend uh, my money if I want to uh, attract uh, great patients to my practice? Yeah, well, I mean, unfortunately, none of us or very few of us learned anything about management and marketing and practice positioning and residency, we were too, you know, busy and confused learning how to straighten teeth. I, mean, I, I think the first six months of my residency, I was still trying to figure out what I was looking at. <laughs> I'd, I'd look inside a patient's mouth and all I would see was metal and, and, you know, hyperplastic gingiva. And I was really nervous that I'd never learned how to straighten teeth. So I had zero time to actually, you know, learn how to market a practice and, uh, you know, grew up in a small town where, Largely back then, if you just did a good job and were nice to people and treated people fairly and charged reasonable prices, my dad had an extremely successful practice with that model. Um, he worked a lot of hours. So I kind of got that from my grandpa and my dad as well. But, um, you know, we built our practice in 2006, right before the financial collapse. I remember my ex-wife and I, we bought our first little condo or like at the peak, right, right when prices were the highest. And uh, first month... You might have heard the story. <laughs> we started one patient, right? And yeah. I went home and told Amy, I was like, this was, this was a mistake. And the next month, we started zero patients. And then 2008, 2009 happened. So I was really forced to learn about marketing, not because I was smart and, you know, and forward thinking, but because I had to or I was going to have to close my practice. You know, I was still working as an associate all the painful things that most people won't tell you, you know, taking my paycheck for my associate job. And depositing that into my operating account for my own business to pay my one employee to answer phones. And I thought, you know, God, no one told me this was how it's supposed to be. So, um, you know, I got interested in marketing because I had to. And, and luckily, we've had a lot of success with that. So um, fast forward from 2009 to today, we've got five locations. We've got scores of employees and we're just above eight figures in revenue. So I, I think a lot of it was a mind shift change for me and for orthodontists that it's okay to market, right? I think we all think marketing is advertising. Right. That's a and com so it yeah, gets common this, thought. Yeah, it gets this kind of, um, you know, taboo or like, oh, you know, good doctors shouldn't advertise. Well, you know, marketing is like your staff uniforms and marketing is how you answer the phones and marketing is remembering people's names and it's all of that. So I think, you know, if, if we had to boil down really what most orthodontists miss with marketing or what they should go figure out first is, you know, based on all of my options as a consumer, including the option of doing nothing, by the way, like I could go take a vacation or buy a jet ski instead of getting braces for the kids. Why would I choose you? And so if we can answer that, you can get real close to being comfortable in the business in your own skin you know, not everyone has to work late hours. You might be the cleft palate guru in your neighborhood. You might be the Invisalign guru. You might be the lingual doc. You might the, be the one who sees special needs patients. And it, there's no right or wrong, but it's it's really being true to, to what you are. I, I, I think I see too many orthodontists saying that marketing means you got to go out there and tell everyone that you're the best. 
and we teach clients is way more powerful to just be different, to be you, you know? And so we start there, right? So before you go and look for the magic bullet of Google online ads or Facebook ads or direct mail, or do I do radio, you know, stop thinking about all these different advertising channels and marketing mixes and fix your message first. Like, why would I choose you as a consumer? So that's, you know, that's where I would start. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's great advice. I've been reading through some of the stuff on your website and uh, I noticed that you're a fan of Dan Kennedy and I've, I've read some of his materials. Well, tell our listeners who I think many are not familiar with Dan Kennedy, kind of what, what his message is and, and if that's something you've tried to apply as you've marketed your practice. Yeah. So, if, I mean, if you really look at, you know, the phrase, when the student is ready, the master will appear. Well, in 2008, 2009, when I was struggling trying to figure out how to survive a recession, where, I mean, if you remember, we went from, in the United States, we were issuing $10 billion a month in home equity line of, a line of credit that dropped all the way from 100. I mean, we lost 90% of the home equity. Parents were just buying whatever they wanted on the credit card called The House Will Always Go Up in Value. And so I started looking around and I stumbled across a book by Dan Kennedy of Barnes and Noble. And I read it and I said, well, that really makes a lot of sense. And no one's ever told me this information this bluntly before. And so if you want to conceptualize and kind of boil down Dan's core philosophy, it's that, you know, if you're not happy with the results you're getting in life, you know, go look in the mirror. You know, you're the one attracting that. If you're not happy with the patients you have, if you think they're price shoppers, if they only want the cheapest treatment, like you're the one attracting that to your practice. Uh, when I was president of the Kansas City Dental Society, we had a bunch of dentists up in arms because Delta Dental of Missouri decided to cut the reimbursement rate by 30% across the board. And they didn't like the answer I had to them, which was, you know, I didn't sign that contract. You did. You signed a PPO contract. You know, you attracted that into your practice. So Dan's real harsh about if you're not happy with the results you're getting, you know, there's two options. You can complain about it or you can go do something about it. Right. And making excuses sure. and making, making money are kind of mutually exclusive skill sets. So, so if you want to know who Dan is, if you're familiar with proactive, if you've ever watched uh, Weight Watchers or a uh, miracle, you're hearing a commercial. He's one of the top copywriters in the world. So he writes the advertisements and the infomercials and the magazine ads and the radio ads that have built billion dollar businesses. And in his semi retirement, he takes on a lot of consultants or coaches that help. So if you, anyone who's anyone in dental consulting, real estate consulting, medical healthcare consulting, legal, financial advising consulting, they've all either been a client of Dan's or still continuously work with Dan. And so we're in that boat. Uh, he's exceptionally bright. Uh, he's the mastermind behind our excellence orthodontics program. And, and frankly, behind most of the marketing we do. And it's a, um, it's a direct response type method. Yeah, we're, we're tell gonna, us about direct response. Yeah, so, you know, unfortunately, like most websites that orthodontists have, most direct mail that they do, most of anything they do, there's no tracking of the results. They just kind of like throw something at the wall. So they'll sponsor a t-ball team or they'll put an ad in the school newsletter or they'll, you know, put up a billboard, you know, and then just go to the front desk and say, well, have we gotten any more calls <laughs> without any actual data? So a direct response, we have a method to actually track, listen to the phone calls, meet with the team and talk about the questions we're getting when we launch a new marketing piece and quantifiably say whether or not the marketing is producing a return. 
And I think marketing is not producing a two to one, three to one, four to one. We aim for a five to one return on investment. It really should be killed pretty quickly and you should go figure out a way to get it to work for you. Um, unfortunately, most businesses, you know, the old, the old joke is I'm, I'm wasting half of my marketing dollars. I just don't know which half. And that's, yep. that's really true with most businesses. They can't really point to whether or not they got a result with their marketing. So Dan is a staunch believer in it, and I agree that we should be doing direct response. We can actually measure the response, measure the return on investment. Right. And you measure that. So you're saying you, you put an ad out there and then there's some call to action. You're, it's it's call this number and then you're tracking that or it's uh, enter your email on this landing page and you can capture that information. So you're saying there's a step that the consumer has to take to respond to the message that you're giving them. Yeah. If you go back, you know, way back in time, this was coupons, right? So you would bring in a clip of coupon, bring it in and then we could count the coupons. Uh, we still do a lot of tear off gift cards in the mail and do a lot of scratch offs, but, but largely every phone number. So we have 60 or 70 different tracking numbers that we rotate. And so consumers will go to a website and that, that number will change based on the ad they clicked on. They will get a postcard, see us in direct mail. They'll see us in a magazine. They'll see us on TV or on the radio. And, and all those phone numbers are different. All those URLs and the landing pages are different. So we can track. It's not perfect, but it is uh, as much better than what we used to do, which is we would say, okay, yeah, we'll put an ad in the, in the local, you know, mommy magazine. And we'll just put our general phone number and website in there and hope that we get more new patients. And that's, that's really not effective for, for a small local business that has to hold, you know, every marketing dollar accountable. Yeah, that's a constant challenge. I think it's, it's hard for, I think, small business owners to engage with that level of sophistication. But obviously, you know, the results are there. When you say things like uh, Dan Kennedy's doing Weight Watchers, Proactive, some of these, I think the implication that some orthodontists are going to hear is, I don't really want to be that type of marketing. I don't, you know, yeah. is there a misconception among orthodontists about what type of image they're projecting or what is too salesy or not professional? What, what would you say on that front? Yeah, it's a great question. And we get it a lot, which is, you know, my patients are too sophisticated for that type of marketing, right? It's like my, my patients really won't respond to direct mail. Well, so then I list off a, a, a pretty pretty lengthy list of companies that are doing direct mail. And I say, well, tell me whether or not you think these companies are sophisticated or not. Ritz-Carlton, Four Seasons, Disney, Apple, Google, Cadillac. These are some of the largest direct mail advertisers on the planet. And these are all sophisticated companies. So we have this misconception that marketing is somehow tacky or the, you know, my patients won't respond to a postcard. We do a lot of work with a Disney Institute. And, you know, if you come to one of our live events, you'll see there's always some fun thing we're doing or we've got people, you know, competing in some goofy contest. We had a, one of our events was super hero themed and I've got multi-million dollar orthodontists in the audience that night for the, for the late night session dressed up as superheroes. Right. And so the Disney Institute, you know, it's very easy for Disney to say like, well, yeah, you guys can do that because you're Disney, but my, my clients are too sophisticated. Last time I was there, I met people high up at Facebook, the Smithsonian, Sprint, T-Mobile, Google. And these are like million-dollar executives, and they're all dressed up for Halloween at Disney, goofing around. So, you know, I think there's a, there's a, there's a bias in that we leap to anything that we're not comfortable with. We tend to discount it because it's not. So here's what I say, and it's kind of harsh. It's not that direct mail doesn't work in your area. And it's not that your patients 
are too sophisticated for direct mail. It's that you, we as orthodontists have never figured out the way. We've never spent the time to get direct mail to work or to get direct response to work. And so then what we do is we kind of pull our punches and we say, well, you know, I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want patients to think that maybe our direct mail is, uh, you know, tacky where maybe we invite everyone to a patient appreciation event and inside the box, I mail cookies or I do something goofy, right? For every one patient out of 10,000, we mail usually 10 and 20,000 at a time. Everyone that complains, there's 80 or 90 that call and say, yeah, I'm in. So, you know, the quickest way to offend no one in life and to, to, you know, ruffle no feathers is to, you know, do nothing. And so you do have to kind of make a mindset shift that the minute you are going to take marketing seriously, you're going to offend one or two people. And here's what I tell everyone, you know, so right now you can go Google like Disney uh, anti-Disney website, right? And you will find this entire underground of people that do not like Disney. They think that like Disney's brainwashing children to wait for their Prince Charming to come along and save them. They think it's anti-feminism. I mean, so here's my point. If Disney can't make everyone happy with Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck, you know, how are we supposed to make everyone happy with <laughs> you know, $6,000 braces. It, it's, this is, by the way, for like on the bell-shaped curve of orthodontists who want to actually take control of their results, this is like the upper 5 or 10% who know that they're going to offend one or two people. I got a secret for everyone listening. You offended most of your class when you got into residency, right? There were like 58 other people that wanted to be you and get into residency. So just be grateful for it, right? And, and, and if you really believe in what you do, and then I'll shut up. <laughs> if you really believe in what you do, right, you should want to tell the entire world about it. Like, I want to treat 10,000 Smiles Change Lives kids before I die. That's a big, huge goal. Last year, we treated like 272. So I got a lot of work to do. But I'm not shy about telling anyone that goal because I know I'm going to help a lot of people. So, right, I'm just, I'm okay with it. And I think if you look at every other company in the world, like Steve Jobs, he didn't say like, I think I want to sell a few iPhones. Just, you know, I just want to kind of put my toe in the water. He said, quote, I want to put a ding in the universe. I mean, that's intense. Yeah. Right. Buffett didn't say, I, I kind of want to be an okay investor. He told his wife when they were like in their 20s, he's like, honey, we're going to be like the best. I'm going to be the best investor ever. So I think sure. you've got to kind of, you know, saddle up and kind of figure out if that's what you want to do. Or not. And if not, then just don't do it. Right. Don't put your toe in the direct response marketing world. Well, I want to circle hesitant. back. Yeah. Yeah. I want to circle back to something you said. You said people try it, but they don't necessarily fully engage with it. And, and one thing I'm struck with when I go to your website is the quantity of articles and books. And it seems like you've really invested a lot of time into creating all of this content. Uh, what role does that play? And, and do you think that's something other orthodontists need to be doing? Or would that help them? Tell us a little bit about you know all of this written material that you've generated. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's, so will it be helpful? Absolutely. If you look at any successful company, they all have a media platform, right? And I talk about this in the book on Trump, which you love him or hate him, right? He created a platform that, I mean, he's been running for president. He was running for president for 10 years. He was on the cover of Rolling Stone magazines in the 90s saying, quote, if I were president. So it, taking out full page ads in New York Times when, when he was in New York back in the 80s. So 
Yeah, the media platform for every company that's successful. So what you're looking at online is a small drop of what we do that's coordinated right now inside of Valpac, inside of Mommy Magazines, on Mommy Blog websites, that coordinates with radio, both Terrestrial and Pandora. And the media platform we have then allows us to control the message and put things in front of people that we think help them take small steps in our direction. And so the one thing you know about today's audience, if you think about a marketing audience, is that it's, in, it's extremely fragmented. So if you go back and look at like Johnny Carson, every night he had like 20, 22 million viewers. Kimmel is under two. Fallon was leading until uh, uh, Colbert is, is, is beating him because everyone likes that Colbert is anti-Trump. Two million a night, 2.2. So yeah. The audience is so fragmented. So you're not, so years ago you could, as an orthodontist with maybe one or two of you in your town, you could just hang a shingle, put your name on the back of the, t- of the, of the you know, T-ball team and, you know, send a holiday ham to every dentist in town because you were the only person that knew how to pinch bands and solder brackets and actually treat cases. And now, I mean, we've got direct-to-consumer liners. We've got general dentists doing Invisalign. So the market is so fragmented. We have to give consumers lots of ways to take baby steps in our direction. In controlling our media platform with our newsletters, with our articles and reports, that's exactly what it lets us do because we can't rely on one magic bullet anymore to bring all of our new patients to us. Our average client is right around 2.3 to $2.5 million in revenue. And over the last three or four years, we've consistently seen the number of patients coming to them from referring general dentists go down. And it's been a trend that started before the economic recession that a lot of patients just don't have dental insurance or are not seeing the dentist as frequently as they used to. The ones that are that need Invisalign are staying there. So we have to then have this platform. So yeah, I think if you're in the business of helping patients learn about what it is you do and how you can help them, it's got to be way more than just here's who I am. Here's where I'm located. Here's a coupon for 500 bucks off Invisalign. Sure. And I think that, you know, my website is probably pretty mediocre in that regard. I mean, we've got some stock content, I'm sure. And and I think that that's less engaging than taking the time to write an article or answer some common questions that people might have. I think that's something that everyone can do if they can find the time. Yeah. I mean, so that's, and you look, a lot of people, it's like, you know, when I first started doing this, like, when do you sleep? Right. And so, you know, my answer is like, I mean, anything you really, really want in life, you make the time for it. Right. So we have a lot of clients that I'm like, show me, show me your phone. Right. They've got their fantasy football team on it. They're on Facebook eight times a day. You know, the average millennial, by the way, spends 93 and a half hours inside an app. Wow. It's two and a half work weeks every month. So we all have the time if we want to do it. A uh, good friend of mine, the guy who does websites for all of our clients, where I just kind of default to people that are smarter than me when it comes to things that I don't know about. Jimmy Nicholas has this great test called the logo test. He says, if you look at your website right now and you peel the logo off, does it look like every other orthodontic website? And he did it to mine. And I'm like, yeah, it looks like every other orthodontist website. It's like, except my picture. It's like, here's, we do this and we high tech and then sterilization is state of the art. And here's our hour. We didn't have anything that was really a competitive advantage where a mom would go, Oh, that's different. Right. If you peel Apple's logo, which you probably can't even find their logo on their website, that's how good Apple is. at it. But if, if they did have a logo on their website and you peeled it off, you would still know it's Apple. 
because they have these Absolutely. great, right? I mean, so they have these great talking points. Like they have great design. They're helping people change the world. Like their stuff is cool. Yeah, and, the type of images they use, the font that they use, all of that is very consistent. Yeah, I mean, so so with all these secrets hid, hidden in plain sight, um, most orthodontists are just so focused on getting through their day without having a staff member blow up or a parent blow up that we forget that really, I mean, the business we're really in, which is offensive to most orthodontists, the business you're really in is in, is in the marketing business. We're in the business of creating value for people so that they exchange either their time or their money with us for something. And they walk away going, that was the best deal ever. Like I got so much value out of going to that orthodontist. They were so good. I would have paid twice as much to go there. That's what we're in the business of doing. And really all that is communication with how how you communicate. Absolutely. Let me switch gears here a little bit. Uh, you, you speak to orthodontists, you give uh, consulting lectures, and whenever I go to seminars, I'm, I sit there in the audience and I wonder, when I get back next week, what percentage of this am I going to implement? And then I kind of look around and I think, what percentage of the people here are actually going to implement any of this? And I, I wonder if for you as, as a consultant, do you sometimes get back to your own practice and say, man, we, we, we're still trying to work on these fundamentals. Tell us a little bit about implementation and, and, and what you do to be successful there. Yeah. So, I mean, we tell clients, listen, you know, my job is not to entertain you. You can go to a lot of CE where like, you know, they're showing some cute video and everyone laughs and then you, you do a group exercise. And I always promise people at the end of the day, if you take my main coaching points, it's not going to spell something, you know, inspirational, like teamwork. I always promise. I'm like, I'm not here to entertain you. Any information really worth knowing should change the way you see the world. Right. So like, here, anyone who just listened to us talk about, if you're not tracking and listening to the phone calls for every marketing piece you're doing, you're throwing your money in the wind. If, if you don't actually go on Monday morning or like tomorrow and call your marketing person and say, I want to listen to every new patient phone call that comes from a marketing piece, right? It's not because you don't have the information. It's because you didn't implement it. So now to dig into there, starting with the principle, you said, now how do you actually implement things? I see things fail to be implemented in the offices of clients and in my own offices for th- only three reasons. You didn't communicate it effectively as the orthodontist, as the owner of the practice. You failed to oversee it effectively, or you're not recalibrating people, right? You're not keeping them up to speed. So, most orthodontists, and I was guilty of this for years, I would just kind of expect everyone to read my mind, right? And, and if you're not communicating frequently, like morning huddles, weekly meetings, monthly meetings, quarterly off-site meetings, we do an employee newsletter every month. We have automated emails that go to our employees that keep them engaged with patient testimonials and before and after photos. And we're always patting people on the back. If we're not talking about, hey, how's that new uh, phone tracking system doing? What do you think? Does it work? Nothing's perfect, but if you don't communicate effectively and frequently, there's no chance anything ever gets implemented, right? So right. those three things are why they fail. The rest is no one ever re- assigns them responsibility to it. Sure. What's something that you've had a challenge implementing in your own practice? Everything. That's why, that's why, I, get, I, that's why I get to actually stand in front of, of orthodontists and coach them. It's not because I'm smart because I made every mistake in the book. So, uh, I mean, just recently we had a new referral campaign where we have these really cute, funny, like black and white postcards that we sit down with the mom and say, Hey, listen, you know, you're going to probably take a selfie and we'll, we'll probably take one with you. And everyone's going to like 
show off their new smile on Facebook, but we want to do something like old fashioned. Let's do something old school. So we've got all these funny postcards with these funny old fashioned photos and there's funny sayings and little call out boxes. And we're going to mail these to any friend you want, right? Just pick one, pick five. We don't care. We'll drop them in the mail for you. Just fill them out and leave them, right? And so we're just, we're just telling people, Hey, what, your friend just got their braces off. Go celebrate. Just getting the staff to do that one thing, right? I had to like light myself on fire to do it. That was just like, I had to teach clients. Like, you know, what you see on someone's front end is almost never what you see in the back end. So if you go to Disney and actually hang out behind the scenes with the Disney Institute, I mean, they're pretty close to being an amazingly well-oiled machine, but they are still failures behind the scene. It's how you actually then fix those. So it's, it was just constant communication. It was me overseeing it and then recalibrating. And if I see the results aren't working, then I might have to change. So we did. We changed where we were, we were handing those cards out of the checkout area. It's crazy back there. I mean, there's just patients everywhere. I said, pull them aside, go to one of the, one, go to one of the TC rooms where the, no one's in, and then sit them down and show up their, pull up their before and after photos and brag on the kid and say, man, he did such a great job. And, and that cha- changed the results entirely. The first week they started doing this right, we had eight referrals from those postcards in one week. And so now we go back and repeat it, right? So the communication is, hey, great job. It worked. Big pats on the back, put them in the newsletter. But it's just this, right? The minute you're done with all this is the minute you sell the practice. Yeah. It's so, <laughs> it's so, I mean, it's so interesting being a leader. I, you know, I hear you say, you know, well, we're going to put a dent in the universe and you're, you're all pumped up and you're going to get out there and get after it. And then, you know, you, like just last week, I mean, I, there was this one day where we had two missing lab appliances that were supposed to be delivered and we should have had the laser in the other office that it didn't get over. And, and you're like, I'm trying to put a dent in the universe and I can't even get these like basic things to go. And I, it, it's always this dichotomy between big visions and then small details. I mean, even I, this is a really random reference that just popped into my head, but even like, I think about JFK sometimes during the Cuban Missile Crisis, and you know we he found out that, that we had missiles in Turkey, and he's yelling, "Get those blankety blank missiles off the board!" You know, he's just, I'm trying to solve this big problem, and what what the, what's going on down here? Uh, you know, in the back room, like you say, I, I always think that's an interesting part of being an, uh, a business owner. Yeah, I mean, my joke is everyone wants to be thin and rich, but no one wants to put the work in. All right, so we we all want our days to run smoothly. It, you know, it's this negative law of preparation. It's, you know, the research we talk a lot from Gabriel Ottenson's group out in, at NYU is that, you know, the people that are just solely optimistic, like, I'm going to put a dent in the universe, right? I can promise you behind the scenes, Steve Jobs is very frustrated, right? Perpetually um, paranoid about, he said on his deathbed, I'll spend Apple's last penny fighting Android. I mean, so it's the sleep with one eye open type thing where you, you don't go. I mean, I wake up every day expecting someone or something to massively disappoint me, right? So I'm going to walk into one of the offices and there's going to be an inch of water in the clinic or our TC is going to quit. All right. So there's just, that's life. It, it, but we've all convinced ourselves like from today forward that everything's just going to work, even though we've got tons of evidence that that's not how life works, right? Consistently through our lives, we've, te- we've tested things and they've either worked or they've not worked. But from today moving forward, we just assume everything's going to work. So it's re- it truly is how you, how you go into everything with this balancing act of optimism, but pragmatism, even a little bit of pessimism, like, oh well, yeah, I mean, every now and then the retainer is not going to show up. So if I go back and re-communicate with the employees, 
you know, how do you feel about this? Like, how would you feel if this was your kid? What solution? How can we fix this? So we've had that issue because we've got trays and retainers going all over the place. And we let patients come wherever they want. So if they're at work downtown and they want to pop up to the Briarcliff office, we tell them, like, come on up. So we got to have stuff kind of there and ready for them. And so we had to put this entire tracking system into our note system so that we know who checked it in, what lab it came from. It's time-stamped. It's initialed. Like, but years ago, we just assumed all this would work. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's, there's a consistent struggle with doing anything in life that fights against the second law of thermodynamics. Like, nothing is easy. None exactly. of it worth doing is easy. Yeah. I'm curious what percentage of your time you spend seeing patients versus uh, working on your consulting versus writing all of this material? How, how do you divide up your time roughly? And I guess what, what time management tips would you have for people? Yeah, I'm trying to get, you know, totally away from sleep right now. I'm just, <laughs> okay. for, for the first few years when we built out all of our marketing automation stuff, I would work through the night. And when I first started teaching at UMKC, I didn't have any lectures prepared. And so I would spend hours like before, the, the residents always laugh. They're like, when did you print these handouts at FedEx? Like it says 4.22 a.m. Is that when you really printed them? So um, I've gotten over that because I really think you do have to take care of your body. It's like that's your only tool to go achieve things in life. So um, I get at least six hours of sleep or seven and a half. I'm kind of on it. I think that's a great tip, by the way, is pay attention to your sleep. Uh, I do 90-minute REM cycles. So I sleep for three hours, four and a half six or seven and a half. I don't sleep for eight. I don't sleep for seven. I sleep for 90 minute sleep cycles. You, there's apps for your phone that'll track that. But I spend for two years, I was completely out of the practice, just doing the coaching, consulting, letting, letting associates run the show. Uh, I could, we could talk for days about the mistakes and things I learned there. Um, today I'm in the practice. I work, our offices are open six days a week. So I'm there a lot now. Um, I probably spend four hours a week on the marketing. So a half day on the marketing and I do all of my coaching consulting on the weekends. Right. So, and it's almost always stuff like this. So, I mean, I don't know if your listeners know, but you're motivated and I'm motivated and we're doing this thing late at night. Right. So, yep. um, that I do a lot of stuff. I think if I could put a, if I could put a GoPro camera on the average orthodontist and he or she would show me what they do between the hours of like 5 AM and 7:30 AM and 9 p.m. and midnight, I can tell them where they're going to be in 10 years. All right. So the number one time management technique in the world is to realize that is the most valuable thing you have, right? You are, everyone listening to this at the end of your life, you're going to have more money than you have time, right? So figure that out now that the most valuable thing in your life is not your practice. It's not your stock portfolio, it's not anything other than the time you have to spend with people and then make it and make everything around it operate to push you towards your goals. So I don't take any inbounds. I actually don't carry and don't own a smartphone. I don't let people just call me on a whim. I'm really protective of my time. And, and in return, what I give people is my full attention when they do have my time. Right. So right now for this interview, I am locked away in my study. No one's going to come bother me. They know I'm doing this. I have record signs I put on the door. No one's going to interrupt this because this is important to me. Same when I'm meeting with a referring dentist, right? They have my full attention when I'm meeting with clients, when I'm meeting with patients, when I'm meeting with a mom. So it's, it's this strict and almost harsh control 
of the time around you so that when you are present with people, you're fully present. I mean, I cringe when I see parents at a dinner table on their phones and their kids are like running around the restaurant. I'm like, you know, just put your phone away and be with your kids. Yeah, Uh, that's brutal. Yeah. Let me ask you another question we talked about a little bit in the pre-interview. You have implemented a clear correct in your practice, and I'm curious what made you decide to go with that clear aligner system. Yeah, uh, a lot of testing initially. So I'm the guinea pig at UMKC where I teach. I was the first person to teach them lingual. I'm still the only person that teaches them cleft palate stuff because I'm the one young guy. They're like, well, you want to do it? I'm like, yeah. I'm, so for years, I was the only person doing uh, self-ligating brackets with them. I started a laser set. So I did all that stuff where they're like, Burleson will try it. So we're in the process of trying to learn how to make that work better. I will, and again, without without ticking off ClearCorrect or anyone who's anti-ClearCorrect or pro-Invisalign, uh, for me, it's largely a business decision, right? And so I like treating patients with clear aligners when I know I can get a great outcome and I've worked really hard at getting the clear correct system to do that. And there's a steep learning curve, just like there was a steep learning curve with Invisalign. Um, I have a, I have a significant and kind of profound distaste for anything, including insurance, including Invisalign or including um, anyone or anything that thinks they have to take a significant portion of your treatment fee based on. So, I mean, again, I'm not going to be, get every manufacturer mad at me but i think if you can sit if you can sit and talk with a patient about what their goal is and really listen you should offer everything you could possibly offer them so we do lingual uh we still do some invisalign for difficult clear liner cases i do a lot of clear correct for very simple aligner cases and i do a lot of clear braces right because I'm real upfront with parents about what type of results I want to get, right? And so if I'm doing an extraction case or I'm treating a cleft palate patient or I have an impacted canine, you know, I'm just not God's gift to orthodontics to do those with, with Invisalign, right? And so I think it's really, it goes back to the point we made earlier about really being true to yourself, right? So I treat a lot of TMD patients because I like getting those results. You know, I don't treat a lot of patients who want me to give them a discount based on their insurance or, or who want to dictate the terms of, so we had a mom the other day, she's like, um, you know, well, she's a model. Apparently every patient's a model nowadays. Like she's a model. She can't, she cannot have braces, not even clear braces. She has to have Invisalign, right? She's got like a posterior crossbite, functional shift, like 12 millimeters of crowding, 12 millimeters of overjet. And I'm going like, I just don't know how to do that for you. And someone will probably. Oh, I, thought you're, I thought you were going to say, man, they're hiring everyone as models nowadays. <laughs> no, I, did, I kind of skirted away from that. But, I'm going, <laughs> um, but, you know, so I just had and I think she probably went and started somewhere else. In fact, I should, I should go look that up because I, re- I just said, listen, I mean, I'd love to do that for you. It's, it's how I it's how I feed my family is to sell you Invisalign or, or whatever. But I. I just don't think you're going to be happy that I'm going to be happy with the results. So, uh, you know, it's, it's really being true to who you are and what you want to do. But uh, I've had great success with ClearCorrect, and I love that the lab fee is a fraction of Invisalign, and I'm not shy about that. Sure. I think that's good. One other question I have for you is, um, you know, a lot of orthodontists are involved in getting online reviews. You know, how do I get positive reviews? What do I do if I get a negative review? And I know you had an encounter with Yelp and, 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 a, and a Yelper. And I'm wondering if you can tell our listeners a little bit about that situation and I guess what you learned and, and what they could apply from that. 
Yeah, I think every so every business owner can learn that um, Yelp in particular. So if you go and Google Yelp uh, and and Google FTC complaints for Yelp, I mean, I think in the last year or two they've had twenty five hundred FTC complaints. Um, you know, if you or I had five, we'd be shut down. So, um, and I just tell people to form their own opinion of it. And in transparency, I'm one of the backers of the documentary, but there's a documentary called Billion Dollar Bully, which just had its premiere in California last month. Yeah, March. And, and you can take control of things in the online review world by being upfront and honest with people who are issuing false reviews, right? And so uh, without getting into a, you know, philosophical or a legal debate with people, you know, there's no difference in posting an online review that says, you know, Dr. Miller was a real jerk and I didn't like it there and I'm taking my, I'm taking my kids somewhere else, right? That's their opinion and they can say that. But the minute they say something is actually false or libelous, like like the fees were too high, or they were three thousand dollars more than someone else, or they kicked my kid in the shin when they walked in, or whatever, I'm being silly. But if you can't prove it, there's no difference between taking a full page ad in the New York Times. That's why they used to have actual, you know, critics in the legal department that would go through it because they say, listen, if you're going to say the scallops are undercooked at that restaurant, you better have proof that they were because if they aren't, you can't prove it. We're going to be held liable. So, you know, I will tell you this. We've had far more success in going straight to people who hold us hostage and say, listen, you know, this doesn't help you and this doesn't help us. How can we help you get this situation resolved? And for the one, you know, firestorm that will blow up in your face, we've probably had hundreds that have been resolved face-to-face with people, nose-to-nose, elbow-to-elbow, just like real human beings should. And so um, there's a great book by Sherry Turkle that just came out called reclaiming conversation like really learning how to communicate with people a lot of that is that and i will tell you this so that whole thing blew up when i was out of town otherwise i would have been on the news educating other small business owners exactly at this point the problem with local media is that their job is to get lots of clicks and get lots of views and they will be their own judge jury and trial before they even interview you so um you know i tend to believe any publicity is good publicity you'd be shocked the number of people who came to us personally that didn't have an appointment that week who sent us letters of encouragement, a lot of them small business owners saying, Hey man, I think, I mean, I think it is, it is BS that someone can hold you hostage online. We've had a lot of negative Google reviews removed just by going to Google and saying, look, like look up the IP address. It's a fake review. I mean, there are companies who will actually, and one of them actually, some people went to jail. They would spend the first week trashing your online reputation and then a week later, you get a phone call from the people right next on the other side of that cubicle who were trying to sell you reputation management software. So, yeah. you know, you, you got to be really careful. That's with, the oldest you, shakedown in the book, right? That's, exactly. that's, a nice, that's, that's a nice window you've got there. Yeah. I'd be a shame if uh, that yeah. uh, window was broken. Yeah, this, this went on a long time ago. It's called the mafia, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think it, you have more power than you would imagine if you can communicate with people effectively. And we've had more people who were mad at us and ready to light themselves on fire, who have gone and said this. Listen, I did have a bad experience. It didn't turn out the way I wanted it. But based on how they handled the situation, I can see why other people like it there. And so, you know, that's my, my take-home message for the honest who think that online reviews are going to make or break them. I can tell you, by and large, if you're, if you're not getting a few complaints, you're not doing enough. Right. Including complaints from other orthodontists. I mean, most of my competitors don't like when they drive past my office 
it's seven o'clock at night and the parking lot's full and the lights are on. They don't like that. It, it's a mirror held up to them saying, well, I mean, if you're upset with last month's production, you know, you could open up late too. You could be open on a Saturday too. So, you know, there's a lot of things that I think people don't really think through accurately with, um, you know, a good grounding in reality. And the reality is this, you know, anything happening in your business, including a negative Yelp review or including a negative online review, uh, there are people who will take action and do something about it and people who just sit and complain, you know, and teach your staff this because they'll pull their punches. The first marketing piece you do, if they get a complaint call, someone says, I got your postcard. Take me off your list. I mean, like, are you going to say is like, absolutely, we'll take you off the list. I'm sorry we annoyed you. But, you know, if 38 patients call and schedule new patient appointments and you help someone, you know, go to their job interview with confidence, you help someone go on their first date with confidence because of a postcard they got, then I'll send postcards to the day I die. So, you know, it's just thinking about it accurately, I guess, is the best way to, to summarize it. Great. Okay, we're going to go into this lightning round here. Uh, I've got these Elevate Express 8 questions for you here, uh, and I just want you to give us some, some short answers here and we'll we'll jump right in here so what's your go-to corrector for full step class twos dustin oh i'm an oddball so I, i'm a functional appliance guy so we'll use bionators and twin blocks because i believe you can actually convince patients to wear appliances so um so i love bionators and i love twin blocks for full steps if i think they're if i think they're a low enough angle and a good enough period of the growth to, to do it cool uh what's your standard retention protocol we do upper and lower Essex and upper and lower Holly. So we give everyone two sets. We'll see them six months and then a year. Okay, great. Who are your role models? My dad and my mom, grandparents, everyone who taught me how to not be a knucklehead when I was young. Awesome. What's your favorite orthodontic product or instrument? Something that you couldn't practice without? Oh, gosh. Um, that's, well, adhesive. <laughs> <laughs> What adhesive do you use? What adhesive system? Bonnie, we use, we use a lot of stuff from Reliance and, and still 3M. So we use some 3M attachments, yeah. Okay, great. What's the best vacation you've ever taken? Oh, I love Mackinac. I, I've been going there ever since I was a kid, so up in Michigan. I've got to get up there. That, everyone says how great that is. And the pictures look amazing. Yeah. Great. What's one uh, book you've read recently that you'd recommend to our listeners? I, I I go back to some old stuff, so I would go back and reread Marcus Aurelius's Meditations. Ah, oh, I, I, I have started that book, and I need to finish it. It's in my Kindle. So, great. What bracket system are you currently using? We use American Orthodontics. We're 022. We use a modified MBT prescription. Cool. And what's one area of orthodontics that you'd love to learn more about in 2017? Uh, still more with Clef Palette. I'm still, I'm still highly involved at the Cleft Palate Association. And every time I go to a meeting, I I, I realize how dumb I am. (laughs) Awesome. Well, this has been a blast, Dustin. Thank you so much for coming on the show and and sharing this with our listeners. Um, It's it's been wonderful having you. Lance, thank you. I think what you're doing is awesome for the profession. We talked earlier. I wish we had this when we were residents. So thank you for what you're doing. It's, It's awesome. If people want to get a hold of you or have more questions for you, what's the best way to reach you? Oh, they just go to Yelp and find that person that would. <laughs> uh, you you want to go to, they can find me at uh, BurlesonOrthodontics.com. Okay, great. Well, thanks a lot, Dustin. Have a great night. Cool. Thanks, Lance. Thank you for listening to the Elevate Orthodontics podcast. For more episodes, subscribe on iTunes or visit our website at ElevateOrthoPodcast.com. Tune in next week for another great episode. 